Welcome to the front office brought to you by Royal Farms, the home of the world famous chicken and the area's freshest coffee. There simply is no better value in coffee than a Royal Farms coffee. Royal Farms, real fresh, real fast. My name is Tony Lombardi. And in this episode of the front office, I'm joined by my trusty sidekick, Brian McFarland from Russell Street Report. And I'm also joined by Jeff Zarebeck from The Athletic. Gentlemen, welcome in. And Jeff, a happy new year to you and yours. Yeah, belated happy new year to you guys too. Happy I get to join you. Thanks for being here. So in this podcast, what I like to do is hit on some really important points that Brian included in his most recent article on Russell Street Report and get your take on it, Jeff, uh, your intuitive gut feel as to what the Ravens might do with specific players. Now, you might see around the web, specific, specific, specifically with uh, over the cap and spot rack, varying numbers in terms of what cap space the Ravens currently have as they prepare for the new league year that begins in March. Brian, if you could take a moment to explain all the things included in your cap number that maybe are not included in over the cap or spot racks, and then share what that Ravens cap number is at the moment and how you arrived at that. Okay, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a different, it's where we are at the moment and where we'll be um, on uh, March 16th when the new league year begins. So um, right now um, with 48 players, the Ravens have a little over 12 million in cap space. Now, when you look at um, OTC, um, they have it at, at about 18, but they have not included the eight players who were just signed uh, um, Monday. Um, so that, that changes things. And it's, it's also important to remember that the top 51 players count against the cap at this time of the year. The Ravens had 40 before they signed those players. Um, so they all counted against the cap. And that's why you go from 18 uh, to 12. Um, and so that at 48, the next three players that are signed will all fully count against the cap. And then you're fully into the role of 51 where guys who are below the top 51 won't really count. Um, so that, that's part of the equation, and that's sometimes part of the difference. Um, what I have tried to do is project where we go from here. So they have nine exclusive rights free agents. They have two restricted free agents um, that will uh, need to be tendered or in, in some cases maybe not tendered with the RFA. So, um, so what I've tried to do is project those forward um, and then also there's some other um, there's there's going to be some money carried over from last year from the cap. That's only about 300 grand. Uh, there will be uh, incentive adjustments, which uh, can vary from year to year. But those look like that will be a small positive in the Ravens favor. So when you calculate all those in and keep in mind restricted free agent if Westry, for instance, gets a restricted free agent tender. That's almost two and a half million. So, I mean, that's that's a that's a decent chunk. The you know, the risk, the uh, exclusive rights free agents, some of them are going to be, you know, almost a million dollars. So um, those those matter uh, and those make a difference. So when you factor those in, that gets you down to a little over seven million. Um, and that's kind of your, you know, the projected starting point. Now, there's going to be hopefully some more signings and re-signings. Uh, there will be some releases. So those will all. Um, those will all adjust that number, but as kind of a starting point for where their cap year begins, that seven million is pretty much the spot to, to think about. And then, like I said, then it goes up or down from there, depending upon any given move. Brian, just to clarify, too, those eight players that you said were signed, those were practice squad players, correct? 
Yes, those were former practice squad players. They had 18 guys between the practice squad and two guys on practice squad IR um, to possibly be re-signed. Those contracts, uh, they can still re-sign them at any point. Um, the fact that they haven't, and Jeff may be able to speak to this better than I can, of sometimes what the delays might be or, or whether they, they, there's a reason they're not signing. Uh, those contracts, though, expire on Sunday, uh, basically a week after the team's last game. So it might be that some of those guys are potentially looking at other offers or the Ravens just don't want them back. Now, those other guys, the ones that jumped off the page at me were Nate McCrary and Isaiah Mack. Mack played pretty well in his his time against the Cincinnati Bengals. Any thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, you know, the one thing, and, and maybe Brian will be able to answer this, um, uh, McCrary's on the COVID list. Do they have to wait, do you think, Brian, for him to be cleared uh, from the COVID list before they can sign him to a reserve? Because I, I saw another team today announce somebody was off the COVID list and they immediately signed him to the reserve um, for to a reserve future deal. So I wondered if that had something to do with it, and that may be the reason the holdup, because I know this year they wanted to get a longer look at McCrary. I mean, he was obviously up for the Pittsburgh game and, and had, a, had a carry early, and then, you know, that game went got tight and they went with the guys they trust. But I would think he's a guy that they would want to bring to camp, um, you know, and after what happened this past year, you can't have enough running backs. I, I think that showed. So I would, I would expect them to make an effort to keep him. The Isaiah Mack one, I'm not sure about. It's interesting. He, he showed some things. Uh, I, I figured he'd be up in week 18 and he wasn't. Um, you know, I thought they'd wanted to see more from him. He was playing his former team, the Steelers. So why not see if you can kind of catch lightning a bottle there and he'd be extra motivated. Um, but, uh, you know, alas, he wasn't. Um, you know, I think the thing you have to also remember, Brian could obviously speak to this. Some of these guys want to see their options elsewhere. They don't really see a path to playing time. They, they'd rather kind of get on the open market and, and, and see if they can handpick the team where they'd rather play. It's not necessarily a slap at the Ravens. Uh, it, it's, it's just the, you know, the opportunity sometimes or sometimes people want to play in a certain city or close to home or whatever that. I You know, I remember last year, Tony, um, the Morgan Cox move was made because – you know, Nick Moore basically said, I'm not signing a reserve future deal if you're going to re-sign Morgan. And and he loved Morgan Cox. They're very close friends. Morgan was a mentor to him. But, you know, Nick Moore didn't want to sign a reserve future deal until he knew he was going to get an opportunity to win the snapping job. And he didn't felt like the, he didn't feel like that would happen with Morgan around. So, you know, the players have different reasons, the reasons for wanting to sign or not wanting to sign. So uh, I'm not sure individually in the Mac case, but with the with the, with the how many defensive linemen they have heading to free agency and the fact that they're probably heading for a, a rebuild at that position in specific, uh, you'd think he, he'd uh, sense the opportunity and want to stay around. This is the front office. I'm speaking with Brian McFarland from Russell Street Report and Jeff Zarebeck from The Athletic. Brian, so in all of your – where you encapsulated everything and, and brought everybody to why there's a difference between over-the-cap spot rack and your numbers – what is the projected number at this point in time? So that would be, you know, with, without any other moves, they would start the league year at 7.2 million in cap space. Okay. So I know that that figure is probably alarming to Ravens fans listening to this. And what I want to do is spend the rest of this podcast talking about ways in which the Ravens can increase that cap number, whether that be through cuts, trades, or extensions. 
But before we get to that, let's first address the elephant in the room, and I'll start with you, Jeff. Do you expect the Ravens to extend Lamar Jackson this offseason? And if not, what obstacles outside of money could prevent it? Yeah, Tony, you know, I, I always try to be honest about the Lamar question. And, and, you know, it's so hard to find, you know, we all know how tight-lipped the Ravens are, specifically in matters uh, affecting their quarterback. And obviously Lamar not having an agent, having a much smaller circle uh, than probably pretty much every other player. You, you just, it's tough to get, uh, you know, a sense of where things are. My understanding from all along was this offseason was the time they were going to really try to, to, to meet, find a compromise and, and kind of hammer this deal out. Uh, I think that's what they would like to do. I think Lamar would like to do that. Um, obviously they're going to find and have to find a number that works for them. Uh, you know, I don't think they're hedging at all that uh, Lamar is the franchise guy and they, they want him to be here. They want him to be the quarterback. They want to take care of him. Uh, I don't think uh, Lamar Jackson wants to be anywhere else. Um, but, you know, certainly, I mean, I, I think you'd be naive not to think some of the things that happened over the last three, four months at least can't enter your mind when you're talking about, you know, a deal like this uh, of this magnitude, you know, whether it's, you know, his health and, and illness and kind of how he how much he struggled at midseason and some of the decision making, Um all in all, I think they, they do this deal. I, I think this deal gets done, and I think they'll really try to do it this offseason. Um, but I honestly don't feel as strongly as I once did, uh, guys, that uh, it's going to get done this offseason. My guess is it does, but as I said, I, I, they've been treating this like a formality, and uh, I, I just I don't feel as strongly that it's a formality this offseason like, you know, you know, like some of them have been acting. Yeah, Jeff, I would have to agree with you because to ignore all those things that you mentioned is really just not exercising fiduciary responsibility because let's face it, this is going to be by far the biggest contract ever in the history of the Ravens. And if they make a mistake with this, they could be saddled with that mistake for years. So this is really important. So with that in mind, Brian, let's assume that for a second that both sides are good to go with a deal. What might a new deal look like and how much cap relief would the Ravens realize compared to the 23 million that's part of the fifth year option that they've exercised already? Yeah, and that, that would all depend on the, the structure of the deal, how many years especially the deal goes. So, you know, if it's a four-year extension, uh, that would be, you know, for, for this year and then four, four more, or if it's a five-year, the longer, the longer the deal, the... Um, more money that's involved, the more guaranteed money that's involved, the more bonus money that's involved. Um, so, so I mean, that, there's that issue. And the sh but the shorter the deal, the less you can generally reduce that first year cap number because then that just inflates years four and five. Whereas if it's if there's years five and six as the last two years, you've got a little more space to to spread that out. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable. You know, if he gets something like a forty million dollar signing bonus that's prorated over five years, so that's eight million a year. Give him a uh, you know a base salary of of two million, um, you know, so that's a ten million dollar cap number. Um, so that would reduce the twenty three down to the to the ten. So that could save you thirteen. It. I don't think they would make that cap number any smaller than that. 
So that base salary could be so could be the you know eight million for the bonus proration and five million for a salary. So, um, you know, so that would you know then you're looking at thirteen and you've reduced it uh, by ten. So I think those are probably reasonable when you structure what the back when you kind of look at what the back end of the deal would be. Um, and I guess that's an issue as well. You know, given. Uh, the injury this year and, you know, what they say, you know, the, the, the company line, I guess we'll say about running quarterbacks and, you know, once they lose their legs and do you want to do a longer term deal? Um, and then, as Jeff said, you have to look, as you both said, you have to look at the struggles he had this year, you know, in October when he was playing like an MVP you're probably saying he's going to, you know, he might push Mahomes at 45 million a year Um or at least top Allen at 43, you know, um, now maybe, maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's 40. And I think this is where you, you run into a, you know, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I assume they've done a lot of their own homework, but this is a place where I think not having an agent is, is, it makes it more difficult because if you are, if the Ravens are coming from the perspective of, well, we want to hedge our bets a little. So we want to lower, annual but we want to have things like incentives in there and um and escalators i think i mentioned this yesterday but you know you win the super bowl every year after that your salary goes up by a million or two uh, or you win the mvps you know same kind of thing so that if he performs then the, the salaries on the back end all all get higher which gets you back up to that 40 to 45 but so that's i think where the difficulties may come now um, and, and make it harder to get a deal done. I, you know, they would have loved him to want to, you know, they'd love for him to win a Super Bowl this year and be MVP. And then they know what they've got. And if they have to pay through the nose, at least they know what they're paying for. Um, this guy, this kind of situation, though, unfortunately, is that, um, you know, I guess as, as Jeff sort of said, you, you, you lose a little confidence in maybe getting done because you're just not sure what the value is anymore. Jeff, as on, a, on the field, Brian and I had this discussion yesterday, and this is just an eyeball test, but, and I don't know if it's because the team struggled a little bit more than they have in the past, but Lamar did not look as explosive to either of us. And I'm wondering if you saw the same. Yeah, there were games where he did not, you know, there were just times this year, and obviously there was exceptions, you know, I don't know that I've ever seen a better you know, I guess fourth quarter and overtime than what he was in Indy against Indy. I mean, that, that was as, you know, quarterback as good as you're going to see. But it just seemed like there are times where they just, he just wasn't playing with that carefree, youthful exuberance and that, you know, I don't want to say wreck, I guess maybe controlled kind of aggression that he would play with. Um, he just didn't seem as assertive and as sure of himself. And, and I think that manifested a little in, in, in how he looked and with his speed. And, you know, uh, he brought up the, in the, in his news conference earlier this week, he brought up the illness, how he was sick for a couple of weeks. And, you know, they, he does, they do very good job protecting what gets out there about Lamar Jackson. And, and as I said earlier, he, he's able to do that because how, how small his inner circle is and, and the Ravens certainly help him with that by not saying a whole lot. But, you know, so it's hard to know really what he was dealing with from a physical standpoint. What, what were the effects of the COVID? Uh, he, he had the back issue at times. Um, I, I just, he just, he did. He, he kind of looked banged up uh, for a good part of the year and, and, and not as, 
you know, not as explosive. And, and, you know, he just wasn't really, there were games where he just was, didn't show that, that style that everybody fell in love with, uh, you know, that carefree, fun, fun loving kind of freewheeling style that I think everyone fell in love with from watching Lamar in his first couple of years as starter. Let's play devil's advocate here for a second and assume that the Ravens and Lamar, they can't get together on a deal and the Ravens want to keep him around, and they decide in 2023 to use the franchise tag. What would that number look like, Brian? What would be your estimate? Sure. So uh, obviously a lot of that's going to depend on how much the cap jumps. Everybody's expecting a big jump next year. Um, uh, Fingers crossed that we're out of the, the COVID decline as far as revenue, and then obviously the TV revenue kicks in next year. So um, we're expecting a you know pretty sizable jump, but so this year the, um, uh, the the tag should be somewhere in the 27 to 29 million range. So you figure it could go 30, 32 to 35 range uh, if there's a pretty sizable jump in the cap because this year there's there you know there's a correction in the cap I guess we'll say, but it's a it's a it's a rather big jump. So assuming we get that kind of jump again you're probably looking in the 33 to $35 million range. Uh, that would be over the 125% uh, percent of his prior year salary, which would be 27. So it would be at least 27, uh, but it certainly should be more than that. Um, that. That factor won't. And then, of course, the next year, it would be 125 of that if they franchised him twice. Now, Jeff, if that does come to fruition where they do tag Lamar in 2023, Given his popularity in the clubhouse, would that have a rippling effect in the locker room? You know, I think most of these guys understand that it's a business and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Eric DaCosta and, and, and Steve Bishotti and, and the, the decision makers, the hierarchy, they're pretty well liked and respected among the players. I, I probably would be limited, but I, you know, Lamar's the guy in that locker room. So I, you know, you'd think most players want to see him get taken care of, uh, you know, think he deserves to get taken care of. Uh, he's the guy they look to. So uh, sure. It, 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 I don't know. It would be the best message to send, but I, I do think most players understand that, you know, business is a business. And, and, you know, when you're talking about those numbers and, and how high it could get it, it can get difficult to uh, build the roster around him uh, when you get to a certain point. Brian, you mentioned that Lamar, if they do get a deal done, given the parameters you, you described, that conservatively they could save $10 million off the $23 million fifth-year option, maybe as much as $13 million, depending upon its structure. So I, I want to keep that in mind, and then I want to move forward with this eight players that you identified in your most recent salary cap preview on Russell Street Report, where they could find some cap relief and maybe with extensions, with cutting, what have you. So I want to talk about those eight players that you've defined. And then, Jeff, jump in whenever you feel like it to talk about the, how that player and the meaningfulness of that player on the team based upon either releasing them or trading them or extending them. So let's start with the first guy on your list, Brian, Miles Boykin, who carries a $2.754 million cap number heading into 2022. 
Yeah. So Boykin and uh, maybe we can throw Ben Powers into this, too, because they, they're kind of in the same category. They both uh, earned they were both scheduled under their rookie deals to make uh, I believe it was nine sixty five uh, salaries. But under the proven performance escalator, they basically they um, either um, had thirty five percent of snaps in two of their three seasons or thirty five percent overall over the three seasons. Um, they earned the PPE, um, which jumped the salary basically a million and a half dollars. So that gets so the, the number to look at is their two point five four million dollars salary. And the question is, is that too much for what they provide? Um, now, I'll separate them, in my opinion, Boykin, that's probably too much. Powers is maybe up in the air, given that he's been a starter. I don't know if they envision him being a starter going forward, but um, that's not a terrible number for a, a you know, a, a, a decent backup uh, interior lineman. Um, but Boykin, if he's the fifth or sixth wide receiver on the roster, while I know they, they value his special teams, that's kind of, that seems too rich for my blood. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they're, we all know they're going to give their draft picks all the opportunity, uh, to stick and to contribute. Um, but I mean, man, uh, you know, he was a healthy scratch at least once or twice this year, Boykin, um, you know, they've gone young with the receivers and, and they've pretty much all passed him on the depth chart. I imagine they'll bring in another receiver. I don't think it'll be, a, um, you know, I don't expect Watkins back, but I, I don't think it'll be a priority, but they'll come with more, you know, they'll have one or two new receivers in the building, uh, ready for training camp, whether it's a veteran free agent or, uh, another draft pick. So yeah, it's hard to see his place. The, the powers one's interesting to me. Um, kind of reminds me of the Chris Warmly situation, Brian, back in, you know, where he was kind of a rotational guy and, and they traded him and saved a little bit of money in the process. I, I'm wondering if maybe they could do a pick uh, pick exchange with another team who's looking for some interior uh, offensive line depth and maybe shed some salary that way. Uh, you know, given the state of their offensive line, we've all seen how hard it's been for Ben Cleveland and Tyree Phillips to stay healthy. I don't know that I would just uh, dump powers yet. I, I'd probably, if I, if I can't get, get something in exchange for him, uh, like a six round pick, or maybe one of those get a fifth and trade a trade a six or a seventh. I think I would just kind of bring him to training camp. Uh, just, you can't put yourself in this situation again, where you don't have any offensive line depth. And if that guy's your, you know, eighth offensive lineman, a guy who started uh, a good number of games over the years, I think you'd be in pretty good shape up front. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, the number's not that high. Um, and I don't, I don't see him getting released at this point anyway. Again, as you said, I mean, if you look at uh, Bredesen, they traded last year, they, was it Bredesen and a fifth for a fourth? And it's the Giants' fourth, so it's, it ends up being yeah. in the, early in the fourth. I mean, that was a great deal. Um, so that's something that they may look, but you're right. If three guys get hurt, then he may be a starter and, you know, you'd rather have that than an undrafted free agent or, or, you know, a seventh round pick. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I think he's around at least into training camp. If he's not one of the top nine guys, then they save some cap space or maybe can move him for something, uh, at that point. So his number is 2.54 million dollars. And I'm sorry, 2.714 million. And right. Th that would be interesting to see a similar trade to Bredesen. But I guess, like, as Jeff said, it's nice 
they learned something. If they learned anything from this 2021 season, it's that offensive line depth is really important. So let's move to the next guy on the list. And that's Sam cook, Sam cook. I have been a huge fan of his because I think that sometimes people focus in on his, his punting average and things like that. And how many times he booms the ball. But I think he's a good manager of field position and has been for his entire career. But this year started to change a little bit. And, boy, the last punt that he had this year went for 23 yards. Now, I've always valued him as one of the best holders on the planet. And, you know, I've never seen a better, more consistent holder of some errant snaps and getting the ball down in time as part of the operation for Justin Tucker. But I don't know. He's, he's got a $3.15 million cap number in 2022. And you got to think that they could shave a lot off that and, and still get the old 80-20 rule where you get 80% of the production for 20% of the price. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree. Um, and, you know, I, I think Jeff gets this every year too, but why aren't we cutting Cook? Cook's going to be a guy we're going to cut, you know, and I, I've resisted that for the last, oh gosh, it seems like seven or eight years, it seems like. But this this year I might, be more willing to consider it i would agree i thought his he did he was more inconsistent this year than he's been in the past um you know and they showed with as jeff mentioned earlier the nick Moore uh, morgan cox they you know they were they're willing to move on uh and get younger and in this case that that one wasn't much as far as cap space uh that was more just youth uh in this case it could be youth and cap space so um they did not have a punter um on the roster on the practice squad this year i think they started maybe they started the year but uh released the guy at some point yeah townsend uh, yeah right 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 so they don't really have an heir apparent in this case um but uh, you know and that may be another one they bring in competition and it's a it's really a beat em out kind of scenario um and you know and it depends on the other moves they make i mean obviously 3.1 million in cap space isn't the end of the world, but it is, it is one of the higher ones for a punter. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sort of on the, uh, well, I think, and maybe I'm too sentimental here. I'll, I'll wear that. Um, I think Sam cook is, is almost a guy that deserves to retire from the Ravens on his own, you know, and yeah, if somebody's not performing and, and is, uh, the proverbial stealing money, you don't get that right. But, you know, like I was looking at his numbers the other day, and, and I certainly agree with you, Tony. There, there were some there were some rough patches, a little more in the past. You look at his numbers, though they're they're pretty similar to what they've been in the last couple of years. I I don't know that there was this big drop off. I, I do think there were some. You know, maybe he was a little less consistent than he was in previous years. Uh, I think he's still doing it at a, at a reasonably high level when you look at his other roles. And, and you know, Jerry Rosberg has called him the best holder in the NFL, uh, in the history of the NFL. I don't really have a gauge on that and how you'd know differently. But uh, I know I've been covering the team since 2011, and I've never seen him in practice or a game struggle to get a snap down, which is remarkable because that's not easy to do. Um, I think he's a guy that – you know, Justin Tucker is a character. Uh, he's got a different personality. And and I think Cook is great balancing that, kind of making sure keeping – I'm not saying Justin needs to be kept in line, but you know what I mean. He He's sort of a good dynamic for Justin, the no-nonsense punter and holder uh, who's sort of the uh, – 
you know, the muscle behind that kicking battery, those practices get pretty intense with those three because Sam doesn't tolerate any goofing around and, uh, you know, lack of attention to detail. I, I like what else he brings. Um, my guess is you talk to him, see how much he long, you know, see how long he wants to play. Um, so we'll, we'll see there, but he's a guy I'd be inclined to hold on to unless, uh, you know, he made it clear that this was probably pretty much it for him. Next guy on Brian's list is Josh Oliver. He's got a $1.075 million cap number for 2022. He's a veteran tight end, didn't contribute a whole lot in 2021, but you'd still have to replace the guy, and the replacement value almost offsets any kind of cap savings. And I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, I don't think there's any guaranteed money in there. So it doesn't really hurt the Ravens to bring him back. No, it doesn't unless he gets injured. I, I just threw him on there because a lot of people, he seems to be a, a whipping boy in some cases, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's a rookie, you know, the rookie's going to have a seven, you know, 750 cap number. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, three million or 300,000 in cap space. So it, it's not really a, a big deal. Um, but he is a guy that they could clear off if they needed to. And uh, but why it's a spot they could, they need a little bit, they could, you know, they can create it there. Yeah. I think he'll go to training camp probably as a bubble guy. Um, you know, obviously we don't know what Nick Boyle's future, um, is, and that's a different role. You know, he's a blocking guy. Oliver's more of a, a pass catcher. Although I'll say this, the, the, his most impactful play was probably the block on the long touchdown run for Latavius Murray, um, but you know, I think you bring him to training camp and, and you see if he, he gets a little bigger, stronger, uh, you know, better with everything he does. He actually stayed healthy this year beyond the COVID, which he never could do in Jacksonville. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's one. I, I just think you bring to camp, uh, you know, knowing that you like to keep three tight ends and, and wanting to have, you know, four or five in camp and, and see if you can, you know, keep depth at that position. Next up on the list. And this is a tough one, guys. Marcus Peters, he carries a $15.5 million cap number to let him go. The Ravens would put five and a half million of dead money on their books and save 10 million against the cap is I would think that what they experienced in 2021 and not having that swag and leadership and playmaking ability in their defensive secondary that Marcus Peters provides to let him go could be a big mistake but there might be a way of doing something with that contract in terms of an extension. So Brian, talk about both those situations where they just bring them back or an extension and what a realistic extension might be. Yeah. I mean, the, the main reason I, I put him on the list and obviously all of this happened before the season. And, and, you know, now what we know, uh, I think it's less likely, but when they restructured his all the contracts last year, a couple in the spring, he was one of the ones in the spring, and then in the in the fall to create cap space, they didn't do a max restructure on him, which I thought was kind of odd. They could have created about two point seven million more, and since they ended up with three hundred thousand, I guess they didn't need it. But I just thought that was interesting because. Um, the the only reason I could think to do that is when you restructure, you're adding more, um, you know, his 5.5 million in dead money that you just mentioned would have been, you know, would have been two, uh, almost 8 million, actually would have been over 8 million if they had done a max restructure. So 
um, that that read that because of that, I thought at the time I was thinking, I wonder if that means they they wanted the a uh, little more flexibility and an option to to let go of him this year. Now, as you said, the way the year played out, um, uh, you know, clearly he was missed. So whether that changes things and obviously where his recovery is also factors into that as well. Um, so, you know, the release would be 10 million. And, you know, honestly, when you're looking to create cats, cap space, you're looking, you don't want to release 10 guys to, you know, f- to create 10 million, you want to release one guy for 10 million. So that's always a place you, you know, first place you look is who's got the high cap numbers and who's got the high cap savings. And so, um, so that, that would be what that 10 million is about. Now I, I do agree that an extension probably makes more sense in coming off of an injury. They might be able to get a bit of a bargain. And in that case, that 10 million, I mean, they could probably save, you know, six, uh, you know, five to 7 million in that range um, on a, you know, a three-year or four-year extension. So, you know, he seems to be a guy who likes it here. He's another guy that seems to be very well liked. Um, and he does create a little bit of humor for everybody and keeps everybody loose because um, he is kind of a different kind of cat. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think an extension would, I mean, I think for where they are now and, you know, the lack of their, they went from a huge amount of depth at cornerback to looking at not having a lot of depth uh, going into next year. So that certainly would be a place to, um, you know, to, to, to create a, you know, a little more depth, obviously as a starter, but just, uh, you know, going forward to have him for a few more years. Jeff, yeah, you- I, I think Peters is is probably the mo- one of the more interesting calls and decisions they have to make. Um, you know, I don't I don't think you want to imagine their secondary next year without Marcus Peters. I mean, you saw that movie this year, uh, but I also think you have to look at the numbers. And uh, you know, twenty nine year old coming off a major knee injury. Um, you know, there are times in 2020 when he was last in the field where, where he struggled a little bit and, and now you're, a, you have a knee surgery and you're a year later. Um, so I think, you know, I, I don't think people sort of are dismissive. Oh, there, there's not a call to make there. I don't really agree with that. I, I think they do have a decision to make, but I also think they need to do everything they can to keep him. You know, you look at that secondary, let's just look at the cornerbacks and okay, you're going to get Marlon Humphrey back. Averett's a free agent, you know, Tavon Young, who's a, a guy I know is on Brian's list, and we could talk about it a little bit later. Uh, in general, I'd be surprised if he's back. Jimmy Smith, I would suspect he'll retire. Um, Chris Westry, I think Brian can correct me or not, is, is a restricted free agent. Um, and I don't know that he's getting a tender, at least not at that price. So who do you have then? Uh, you know, I, I, you don't want to deal with this Daryl Worley's and, and and Kayvon Seymour's and, um, you know, uh, Robert Jackson's, you know, you're not going to beat Cleveland or excuse me, you're not going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals going forward unless you have three or four quality cornerbacks. We saw that this year. So I don't think subtracting Marcus Peters from the mix is going to do any, anybody any good. Um, But the other two sides of it are, is he a guy that would be considering to some sort of pay adjustment I don't know. I would hate to have that conversation with him. <laughs> he's a pretty passionate, volatile, and loyal guy. And he's not a guy I, I think would take too well to that kind of conversation. Uh, and then when you get into an extension, you're talking about what I said earlier, you know, going to be a 30 years old next year, just turned 29. And, and you know, 
coming off a knee injury. How, how much money do you want to add in the future for, for a guy like that? Uh, that's a tough call to me. Uh, I think the best case, you know, the, the best case scenario, we're probably keeping them as is, but again, that's going to strain, you know, 15 million cap hit. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, that that's a big number, uh, you know, and with, with Marlon Humphrey's number being what it is, that's a lot on two cornerbacks. And yet you need to probably bring in one or two more this off season. So uh, that's why I think it's, it's a little interesting of a call, but they love Marcus Peters, you know, even on the sideline in the last couple of weeks, I saw DaCosta talking to him. He's very close with Eric, um the coaching staff loves him John Harbaugh loves him he has really found a home here he wants to be here he's close with Lamar there's just so many things in the favor towards keeping him uh and, and I think they'll find a way to get that done but it would be interesting if that includes some sort of adjustment uh to his uh you know 2022 contract Juwan James is next up on the list I think a clever move by Eric DaCosta to bring a guy that has some capability at right tackle and and get him for a, a pretty fair number. His cap number in 2022 is 3.25 million. To let him go creates a savings of 2.75 million. But again, getting back to that depth at offensive line and also the next guy we're going to talk about, I think Juwan James is pretty safe. Your thoughts, Brian? Yeah, I mean the only reason I really put him on this list was if um, you know he's not recovering well enough when you get into March, um, you know, they don't feel his recovery is going well enough or, and now they activated him. I don't think he really practiced much. So, but the fact that they activated him uh, is a good sign, but if they, you know, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't like his, his approach to rehabbing and things like that, which can of course happen behind the scenes and we're not aware of, but the fact that they activated him would seem to say that wasn't an issue or they, I should say they act, they let him practice under the, DTR that uh, designate to return. They never actually activated him. Um, so, you know, um, that's the only reason on the, on the list. Otherwise, you know, 3.5 million again for even if he's a backup tackle, uh, I don't, uh, I don't think that's a, an issue at all money wise. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, this team is in no position to turn away quality offensive tackle depth. Um, Tony, you said, we'll get to the, I think who's next you're referring to. And we'll get to that in a second here, but um, you know, I, I think in a perfect world, you go in knowing Ronnie's going to be a, a complete question mark and, and you go in and you have Juwan James there as a decent insurance policy and you have uh, McCarry as a, you know, swing guy. If those James and Stanley are healthy and McCarry's a swing guy, I think you feel pretty good, but that would be awfully optimistic to think it's going to play out like that, given James and, and Ronnie uh, Stanley's injury issues. You know, I, I think James has played three games now in the last three seasons. So uh, you signed him for a reason. Get him in the offseason program. Bring him to training camp and, uh, you know, see how bad he wants it and, and, and give him an opportunity to win a starting job. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think they're in position right now to turn away uh, a guy who's when healthy is a quality offensive tackle. Speaking of offensive tackles, Alejandro Villanueva. Didn't quite make the impression that we had hoped and, you know, to fill in for Orlando Brown Jr. who went to Kansas City. I know a lot of Steelers fans were sort of chuckling over that acquisition by the Ravens, but the Ravens thought they might have had something. A guy could be a decent swing tackle, play right tackle, never really felt comfortable at right tackle. And at left tackle was a little bit better, but still 
not of the quality that his number, his $9.25 million cap number in 2022 speaks to. So he's, he represents a $6 million savings against the cap. If let go, Brian, your thoughts here. Um, seems like a great guy, you know, great story, <laughs> but he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you there guys? Simple as that. Yeah. I, I don't see any way he, first of all, I think Jimmy Smith sort of spilled the beans, uh, in one of his late season press conferences by saying he was talking to villain wave. who was considering retirement would not surprise me. He was on the field Sunday, about an hour after the game playing with his son, uh, you don't want to jump to conclusions, but often you wonder if that's just kind of soaking it in for one final time. We saw that with Marshall Yonda that year where he's posing for pictures on the field after the final game. Um, but yeah, there's there's really not a that 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 may be one of the with all the respects to Alejandro, who I want to say is is a very impressive guy. And, and I do want to give Villain Wave some credit. You know, he battled his butt off this year. Obviously, he was overmatched at times but barely came off the field. And, and, you know, you don't want to say what if, but they didn't have anybody else. So regardless, they needed him to stay on the field and battle. He had some really good games. Chiefs come to mind. I'll give him credit. But, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of juice there. I think the Steelers knew it. I think the Ravens now know it. Um, as I said, that's probably one of the easiest one or two decisions they have to make all offseason. And he may make it for them by stepping away in retirement. Tavon Young is the last of the eight people on Brian's list. He has a $9.183 million cap number heading into 2022. To let him go represents a $5.845 million savings. Now, I got to say from, from a personal perspective, I've always liked Tavon. I thought pound for pound, and I still believe this, he's the best tackler on the Ravens defense pound for pound, and he's a solid player. But for those kinds of numbers – and the fact that he hasn't really made impact plays to justify those numbers, I think he's pretty vulnerable. Brian? Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree 100 percent. The, the numbers just don't aren't in his favor, at least to stay at those numbers. Now, he did restructure the deal last year or was that two years ago now? I don't remember. But um, so he took a pay cut and then they guaranteed this. That's right. So it was it was it was before this season. So he took a pay cut. They guaranteed the money, so he, he knew he was going to get his money this year. Uh, but it does leave next year um, wide open. And he did, he did stay healthy for the most part. I mean, he missed some plays here and there, but I don't think he, I don't think he missed a, any games at all. So, you know, from that standpoint, it was good. And he is a battler. But um, I think that's just too rich for the risk that he gets hurt and then – that almost $6 million you could have used somewhere else, maybe on his replacement, for instance, uh, who is, who's going to be younger and healthier. So uh, he would be hopefully. Um, so uh, I think, yeah, I think he's probably gone. Now, if Peters goes at the 10 million, then maybe young hangs around, who knows? Yeah, I, I think so too, Brian. I, I think he's probably gone and it won't be an easy decision. Uh, the, that kid for all the injuries that he's dealt with, um, and battled back each time and the toughness he's shown, um, just a beloved guy in the organization and, um, you know, pretty ironic. And I don't know if ironic is the right word, actually, but uh, for all their injuries in the secondary, Tavon Young was the one that played all 17 games. I mean, you don't want a lot of money with that prediction. 
But the bottom line is, and I think we saw it in week 18, I mean, they needed corners and he was hurt during the game. Uh, he had the strained hamstring that kept him on the bench and couldn't play. And there were other times during the year where he was on a strict pitch count where they probably could have used him. And he didn't practice a ton during the season because he just it was kind of preserving him, trying to get him to the games. His body has just taken so many lumps over the years. And, and I just don't know that you can take that chance and that money, uh, you know, with that kind of money. Um, to keep him around on that current deal. Who knows, maybe let him go. And later in the offseason, you could sign him to a much cheaper deal. But, uh, you know, for all the complaints about the Ravens' injury history, uh, excuse me, their injury results this year, uh, you know, I think you saw they they signed, they either brought back or re-signed a, a, a bunch of guys. And, you know, a lot of these guys had injury questions, and that's kind of how it played out. They got hurt. You know, Jimmy Smith and Pernell McPhee's and, and Tavon Young to an extent, even though he posted every game. So uh, I think uh, one of the few, one of the sure paths to fewer injuries during the year is kind of weaning away from some of these guys that have been hurt quite a bit. And, and you know, unfortunately, because he's as tough as a guy they've had, I, I think kind of Tavon Young falls into that category. I know there's questions at cornerback but that's just too, too much. You know, that's just too big of a deal. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably a good opportunity. I, Jeff said that, you know, Tavon, this is what we think you're worth. We'd be happy to have you back at that. If you want to go shop, we're going to release you. If you want to go shop it, you know, if you find something better, Hey, more power to you. But if not, you know, at least up until the draft and we have to, you know, fill the roster, you know, we'll, we'll have, we'd be happy to have you back at that number, something like that. Ozzy used to do that a lot with guys. Um, so I think that that could be a, a situation where I don't know if you're going to willing to pay more than a million or a million and a half, but maybe some incentives in there if he stays healthy. But um, I think that's certainly an option with him perhaps. Yeah. Kind of how the LJ Ford situation went down last off season. Yeah. Perfect. So if they were to follow what we just kind of went through, that is to, Extend Lamar, let go of Boykin, restructure or extend Peters. We're going to keep Cook, Oliver, Powers. We may trade, but we'll come back to that one. So right there, that's 12, that's 17 and a half. And then AV, that's 23 and a half million dollars right there that the Ravens could pick up and then use for other players and whatnot. If they were to trade Powers, that's an, another two and a half million and then if they were to do something with Tavon, there's some savings there as well. So there's a lot that the Ravens can do just with those eight players to create some space and, and still, you know, patch up their roster in different areas, whether that be through free agency or whatnot, uh, to, to make the team stronger in 2022. But speaking of 2022, I did want to talk about a couple other players. Marquise Brown, he's estimated to he, – he's got to have his – fifth-year option exercise by May 2nd, correct, Ryan? Yes, May 2nd. Okay, May 2nd. So, Jeff, from what you've seen, what you've heard, you're close to the situation. Is that a no-brainer, an iffy, or an absolutely not that they exercise that $13 million option? I'm so glad you gave me the three choices in and out, uh, Tony, because <laughs> uh, I would say it's probably iffy at this point. And, you know, you would have asked me that two months ago and I would have been closer to no brainer territory. Um, you know, he looked like he was on his way to a, to the Pro Bowl and 
and set in some of the receiving records that uh, Mark Andrews ultimately set. And then that's just the second half of the season was just like for a, a lot of the offense was just a slog. Um, you know, I'm kind of a Marquise Brown apologist, uh, you know, uh, but there's some things that are kind of hard to deny. And, you know, he's going to have a couple games every year where it seems like his hands kind of, uh, you know, abandon him at key moments and it really hurts the Ravens. And uh, then there's, you know, you're going to, he's going to miss some time. He's missed time every year. It doesn't necessarily translate into the regular season, but he does miss practice time and and usually a game or two and then a lot of training camp and that all impacts. Um, but I, I keep going back to the fact that he was Eric DeCosta's first draft pick, right? Uh, you know, first draft pick as a, as a GM. And uh, I'm sure Marquise means an awful lot to Eric and Marquise's success. And, and Eric's going to want to give Marquise every chance to succeed. Um, he's Lamar's best friend. We know that. That's obviously carries some weight. If Lamar wants him around, you think they're going to, you know, you're going to think they're going to do everything they can to keep him around. Um, and then the other thing is he's a productive player. You know, I, I think there's so much time spent talking about what Marquise Brown is not. He's not a number one receiver. Okay. He's not that big physical uh, contested catch guy. Okay. Yeah, we know that, but he is a productive NFL wide receiver. He makes plays. His speed brings an element to the offense. I think we've seen it. He's one of the hardest workers on the team, which kind of gets obscured because he's had some missed time. Um, so, I mean, I'd lean yes, Tony, but I, that's teetering, <laughs> you know, like I hate to sit on the fence, but I felt a lot stronger about that one, uh, you know, five, six weeks ago. That's for sure. I think it's definitely a decision now that they're going to have to make, and it's not going to be an easy one uh, for Eric DaCosta. Now, Brian, that $13 million is an estimate at this point in time, correct? Yes, yes. Um, it will It will depend on the um, – It's. it'll depend on uh, what happens with all the salaries this year. Uh, all you're doing is picking it up at this point and saying – I mean, they, they obviously know what the range is. Uh, but, you know, so, um, yeah, I think it's an interesting call too. Um, you know, maybe he and Lamar can become a package deal and maybe <laughs> he can get attention – uh, you know, for less than that, maybe Lamar will throw a couple bucks off his his deal to keep uh, keep him uh, Brown around. And I mean, I think that's a that's a factor too. You want to make sure you get Lamar done before you decline that option. If you're going to decline that option, because as close as they are, I don't know. You mentioned you know creating bad feelings about using the uh, franchise tag. Well, I wonder how that might affect negotiations negotiations with Lamar as well so uh, you, you never know how that will affect and as Jeff said those two are obviously very tight hey guys there's two players I believe there's two players that are potential extension candidates or restructure candidates turning some salary into bonuses and then stretch it out over the course of their contract those players being Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey Brian I know that Stanley's a little iffy at this point in time given his health concerns and whether he's going to come back fully engaged and hundred percent ready to go come training camp next year. But that said, let's assume for a second that both are healthy and ready to go. What is the potential savings with an extension for both of those guys? Yeah, well, no, it wouldn't be an extension. It would just be a straight restructure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Humphrey, I mean, I think Humphrey will happen. 
um, just because they're probably going especially if Lamar doesn't happen, they're going to need cap space. So, uh, and Humphrey should his injury, he should come back without any issues. Um, so his, the, the savings there is 7.172 million. So it's a nice chunk of change. Um, it, it's a nice chunk of change with Stanley too. And that's, a, it's about a million less at 6.3, uh, four, four, nine. But, um, as you said, with the injury, um, that becomes a, 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 you know, that's throwing more, you know, more potential dead money down the road if he retires, um, or if he, you know, or if he can't play, um, you know, so, or if he's just injured and you got to cut him because of injury. So if he doesn't retire and you just decide well, it's time to cut, cut, cut our losses. So, cause it's going to be a big loss at that point. So they probably would want to avoid that. They, of course, that's something they can keep in their back pocket. Um, hopefully he recovers and they, if they do desperately need cap space, um, they don't have to do the whole thing they, to get the whole six, but during the season, as the season winds down, if they need some, they could always do it later. Um, so, yeah, so those are the two best, um, really the only real major restructure candidates they have. It's interesting, Tony. I, I mean, I, quietly last year, and the Ravens never really announced, not really, they never do announce, um, you know, pay cuts or restructures. That's kind of just, you just notice it on, on the NFLPA site. Obviously, Brian is as tight in and does that better than anyone uh, in terms of keeping track of all this stuff. But um, quietly last year, you know, they they did the Clay Campbell took a pay cut and Tavon Young took a pay cut. Um, Brandon Williams took a pay cut. Uh, there are probably one or two more. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Smith probably took a little less than he could have gotten. Um, but this year you wonder how that applies and whether they could go to some of these guys quietly and, and work something out to, to keep them around without necessarily adding money on future caps. I mean, you know, I don't want to speculate and all this stuff and I, I'm, I haven't heard any of this, but like a Nick Boyle situation, you know, what is Nick Boyle at the stage of his career? Uh, is he going to come back and be a fully healthy, a hundred percent player or, is this going to be a guy where, you know, you're going to kind of have to have a pitch count just because his knee is what it is going forward. I mean, I think we all saw, you know, he played five games this year, but I think we all saw how difficult it was for him to even play in those games. Now, best case scenario is he has a great off season. His knee heals even more. He gets stronger, uh, gets some of his uh, mobility back and, and he's good to go back to being one of the top blocking tight ends in the league. But uh, I don't know that that's in the cards, you know, it's just hard to say. And uh, it'll just be interesting if, uh, you know, Derek Wolf's another guy. Now, uh, Brian does the, you know, the, the cuts and the list of, potential guys and how much you could save and you know two guys not on that list were Boyle and and, and Wolf and and Brian could explain a lot why, better why but I guess there's no savings to either of them really right Brian yeah I mean it's that and there's guaranteed salary in there so um I think Boyle is seven million uh, on the cap and seven million if he's cut yeah so yeah, so you just wonder if if certain guys will approach and, and try to get creative to kind of work something out uh, without saddling money, you know, without saddling themselves with more money on the future cap. I know that's easier said than done, but they have had guys in recent off off seasons to you know take pay. You know, ironically, 
Calais Campbell took a pay cut so they could re-sign Derek Wolf. And, uh, you know, we saw we saw that work out. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play it down with Derek Wolf this year in the regular season. But again, the point is that kind of stuff can happen, too. Uh, it's not hugely prevalent. Guys aren't lining up for opportunities to take pay cuts, but uh, it's not unheard of either. Guys, I wanted to get to a couple of questions from our message board that we haven't already addressed. And the first question is, and this is more, I guess, for Brian, what is an acceptable amount of dead money to incur for players and overall for teams? I mean, I think that um, honestly is, is uh, player to player. I mean, you saw uh, the, the, the uh, Philadelphia took on 30 some million, was it for Wentz? <laughs> Um, and it worked out pretty well for them. They got a first round pick, uh, or they got a couple of first round picks. So, um, and you know, when they're going to the playoffs, they granted they were only nine and eight, but Hey, they're in the playoffs. So, and they've got, you know, they've got a lot of draft picks and, and once will be off their books as opposed to still being there this year and then on the books forever. So, I mean, you gotta, fans have a trouble. I mean, we always talk about dead money and you know there's these numbers but uh you know that's a sunk cost already um that money's paid you're not paid dead money is not money you're still paying unless it's guaranteed money and generally it's not so that's money that you've already you've already paid so you know is it worth just biting the bullet uh obviously if you're looking at a guy like stanley and it's going to cost you 20 million more than he counts now that's a different story um, but, but also when you're paying them a, a big chunk of change, you got, you know, you factor cash in that, you know, uh, if you don't want to pay, okay. So if it's 10 million to keep and 10 million to cut, but why do I pay him 10 million? If he's not worth, worth 10 million, he's going to count 10 million against the cap either way, but I save 10 million in cash. It is still a business, you know? So there, there are different kinds of variables there. I mean, when you're looking at, you know, if you look at some of the names on this list, most of them are palatable enough. I mean, yes, Peters will cost five point, you know, but Peters, that 5.5 for Peters is going to be on the cap, whether he's here or not. So, you know, it's really a question of, do you want to pay him $10 million or do you need that $10 million, both in cash and cap, do you need to use that somewhere else? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a case by case basis. Um, you know, you'd rather have no, obviously you'd rather have no dead money and, you know, when you're able to, when you have a, a, a very open cap, you're able to structure it so you can minimize that dead money. Well, COVID is and the Ravens were on a, in a position to be in a much better cap situation uh, this past year. They would have had, you know, 30, they'd still have 30 million if they made every move they made. Uh, but the cap went down by 30 or 27 million. So, you know, so that, that, that's, that's, that's a difference that, uh, that matters. Um, so, um you know, but COVID, that's what COVID did to everybody. So, you know, the, the Ravens were in a position they could make flatter deals and, and less guarantee, less uh, bonuses, but guaranteed salary. So once they got through the first year or two, there was, there was just some smaller bonus money left and there wasn't going to be as much dead money. Well, then they restructured and restructured those deals, unfortunately. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that there's, there's not a, 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 you know, a bright line distinction of the yes or no. It just matters whether the guys, one of the first considerations is the guy worth that cash. And if he's not, how is it going to hurt us more to, to get rid of him than to keep him? Next question from the message board it has to do with Earl Thomas and the 
a questioner asked if Earl Thomas's grievance is still weighing on the Ravens cap. Um, it's not on the cap this year. Um, the grievance has not been resolved. It has not followed the normal track that a grievance would follow. Um, there's never been a charge. There's supposed to be a 40% charge, which uh, his guaranteed salary was 10 million. So that would have been 4 million. That should have hit the cap last year. It didn't. Um, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if Jeff has any, any, uh, you know, type, but I have no idea. Yeah. The Ravens are sort of handling that one for, with kid gloves, obvious for obvious reasons. Um, since I got last off season was it, it was pushed back to this off season. Um, are always, you know, as, as we all read, unfortunately, this is because it, it became kind of a sad story. Uh, with Earl, you know, he was having some off the field issues, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I think Earl was trying to focus on getting his life back in order. And, 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 you know, he was having the issues with his wife that were, you know, widely reported on. And, and I think it, you know, they, they wanted Earl Thomas to focus on that kind of thing and, and getting his life back in order. Um, and rather than, you know, having, having to go through this grievance process, which would have, uh, uh, you know, obviously dredged up a lot of stuff and uh, I don't know where Earl's at, um, you know, in terms of mentally, emotionally and all that right now. But uh, since I got last year, last off season was that, you know, both sides were okay with moving that to this off season. Guys to wrap things up. I just want to get a yes or no. Do they stay or go? You either say stay or go. Uh, for these 21 unrestricted free agents that the Ravens have, if the Ravens haven't re-signed them by March 16th at 4 p.m., they will become unrestricted free agents. So I'll just go right down the list. Chris Board, Brian, go first. Stay. Yeah, I'll say stay too. Josh Bynes. Stay. I'm going to say go initially, but I wouldn't be surprised if they circle back again in training camp. I think they're going to try to get younger there or a little more athletic there at middle linebacker. Justin Ellis. I'm going to say go just because all these valuable depths. I think that sort of like Jeff just said with Bynes, I think they, I think they need to go a lot younger there. Yeah, they got a couple guys too. I, I agree with Brian. Um, they got a couple guys like McKenzie now is under contract. They should get Aaron Crawford back. So I think you got some young backup rotational kind of guys at nose tackle already. LJ Fort. Oof. <laughs> stay. I'm gonna say stay too. Uh, you know, special teams. Uh, you know, third down. Maybe maybe he takes Chris Board's role if Chris Board doesn't come back. Devontae Freeman. Uh, go. I'm going to say go to, um, I think they'll have some young candidates for the number three running back. And, and I have some questions whether Freeman will want to be around to be that number three guy. This one should be pretty easy. Josh Johnson. I, I could see him on the practice squad next year. Um, well, he's going to be on somebody's practice squad. Um, he, he seems to be a good fit here. Uh, I don't know if they, that's something they can decide later. I don't know if they, he's not a, you know, immediate resign, but he, I think he'd be a nice guy to have around if you needed him. Yeah, go go for now. Maybe revisit in uh, July, depending on uh, you know whether you have enough camp arms and all that. Co-captain Anthony Levine. 
Wow. I'm going to say go. Um, I feel like, um, well, and I, you know, we've got another guy coming up, Tony Jefferson, which I think one of them's here and one of them's not. Let's do it that way. I'll say Anthony Levine go to, um, I think he's going to be one of four or five guys that I would not be surprised if they decide to step away and, uh, you know, move on to the next phase. Okay, you mentioned Tony Jefferson, so we'll just leave those two guys as intertwinable. One of them stays, one of them goes, that being Anthony Levine. Pernell McPhee. I, I like what he's done. You know, I, like, I like when he came back. I like what he did for us, especially, you know, the two seasons ago, the 2020 season. Um, I, but I think it's time to go. I think a lot of these guys, they're all, they're all veteran minimum guys, so they're not going to break the bank. They can all, they can all be brought back later. Um, but I, I think they've got 10 draft picks, you know, they, they always hit up a free, uh, undrafted free agent or two. I think it's time for them to get a, a lot younger and, and, you know, build some, build, have some guys that they could build on from the future for the future. Totally agree, Brian. I, I think Pernell McPhee's played his last football game. I think Sunday was it for him. At the end of the game, he was sitting kind of next to Calais Campbell on the bench, um, just having a long chat when most of his teammates had already got in the locker room. I, I think he hustled to get back. He played it. He just wanted to play one more game. He played it against the Steelers, actually played more snaps than I think they wanted to because all the injuries they had with Bowser and stuff. Uh, but I think he's done. Latavius Murray. Same as Freeman. He's gone. They've, they've, they've got their injured guys coming back. They'll they may draft another running back. They always are pretty good at, you know, finding undrafted running backs. Um, you know, we'll see if McCrary comes back, but I think he's gone as well. Yeah, I'd say go. I think I think he'll get a deal somewhere else. It won't be for a lot of money, but I think he'll get an opportunity to win a number two running back job at, uh, uh, in another team, though. Sammy Watkins. Yeah, I mean, you've got four, five, six, if you count Boykin, younger wide receivers. Um, I think he goes. I, I think he goes too. I think he. I mean, what did he not make a catch his last four or five games? Uh, had the miscommunication with Tyler Huntley in a key drive Sunday. I was sort of defending the Sammy Watkins signing through about four or five games. I think it looked like a you know a stroke of genius uh, that they got denied by the other guys and they wind up getting Watkins probably as the two biggest catches of the season with the Detroit one and the and the uh, Chicago one, but just hit a wall physically uh, wasn't running well for half the season and uh, his numbers just plummeted. I, I, I can't see them bringing him back. Kayvon, let's see more. Um, another guy you don't, you don't need now. You could always, um, you know, I mean, they could resign him for nothing anyway. They, they like his special teams. It seems like, but maybe he, maybe he's a guy that falls into that Levine role, but he's a guy you can get in May, June and July. Yeah, I'll say he's back, not a priority back, but I think last year we all saw it. They signed a bunch of these one-year guys. Jordan Richards uh, was an example. There were a couple other guys. Obviously, they re-signed Levine. Uh, you know, Seymour's got a really nice, cool story. They seem to like him. Uh, why not bring him back as an, some extra DB depth? And uh, at worst, you got a pretty good special teams player. Yeah, he played really it, well that last game against the Steelers. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, and he's younger too, so that, that that makes it a little better for what what we're hoping they do. David Sharp. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, I, I think he's going to. Well, I mean, it depends on options, but he, you know, they seem to like him. He seemed to be serviceable. He was only on the practice squad to the last game of the year or last two games of the year. So I think they liked. I mean, I think he's a decent guy to have back. 
Yeah, I said earlier about you, there's no position to, you know, weed out some of these tackles. Um, you know, I, I was reminded uh, by reading Brian, you know, some Brian was writing about the, the roster stuff and I forgot Brandon Knight was even still in this picture. So there's another veteran tackle with experience. Bring all these guys back. Uh, obviously not filling a wave, but uh, Sharp held his own uh, against Packers, played well. Thought he did okay against the Steelers. If you, you think David Sharp's going to be able to block TJ Watt, you obviously have another thing coming, but uh, you can get him on a one-year cheap deal. Why not? Uh, you know, he's been well-traveled. I, I would imagine he would, uh, you know, welcome the opportunity to come back in a cheap one year. Eric Tomlinson. Um, I mean, he's another guy you can get later. I mean, I know they re-signed him early this year, but that was, I think, partly because of Boyle's injury. Uh, I, I, I'm under the assumption they will draft a, a, a tight end. Um, so you already got, you know, you've already got a decent number. I, you get again, wait till after the draft and maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. I'll say stay, I guess, just because of just the uncertainty with Nick Boyle. You know, I just don't know what, uh, you know, the prognosis is with Boyle, whether they think it's going to get any better. And Tomlinson seems to be a pretty well-liked guy who you can get on a cheap one-year deal. Um, you know, one thing I didn't add with the Cook stuff, uh, what my concern is about letting him go is you just keep adding needs to the team. You know, you're adding, and, and granted, you do save money if like Sam walked, but you know, you're, there's another hole to fill and you're getting to the point now where they just don't have enough assets to fill all these holes in terms of draft picks and, and cap space. So uh, if you get Tomlinson back on a one-year uh, minimum type deal and he could be your Nick Boyle insurance, I, I think you could do a lot worse. Another difficult decision here, Patrick Ricard. Yeah, um, you know, obviously it looked like uh, the, the guy from Michigan, uh, Ben Mason. Um, was Ben Mason was supposed to be the heir apparent and that didn't work. And I'm pretty sure he, you know, I'm pretty sure New England ended up releasing him and uh, he, they, they could have gotten him back at any point, uh, but they didn't. So, um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because the value is so hard for him because, you know, the top, he's not the top. I mean, he's a great blocker, but it's, he's unique in our offense. Um, and he's not a defensive player anymore, it would seem, unless except in a pinch, perhaps. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think they'd like to have him back. But, you know, that would, would have been a deal they would have rather gotten done already. But so but uh, but the one day then you get the money and we'll will some team New England, you know, offer him more than what the Ravens might. So I'm going to hedge my bets and say 40, 60, 40 being he's back. I'm going to say go, um, not for a lack of effort. I think they'd like to keep Patrick Card. They've already been talking to his agent for a while now. Just seems to be just like another guy we're going to bring up here, Bozeman. It just seems to be, you know, the, there may be a little bit of a separation there. You know, uh, Ricard will probably want to be the bet, and I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine his agent will probably ask for, you know, number one fullback you know, top of the, you know, market for fullback, which is not a huge number, but if you're the Ravens, you have to decide what's the luxury and what's the necessity. Uh, Juszczyk's deal, I think Juszczyk's highest paid, but that deal's a couple years old now. 
Um, so you're talking about a good chunk of change for a fullback. Uh, I think it's going to depend on what the market is for a card. If, if he's, if, if his agent's hearing there's teams willing to pay him, uh, I think he's gone. I just think Ravens will probably uh, draw a line in the sand and say, this is as high as we're willing to go. Um, and, and if anyone else is interested at a higher rate, he'll be gone. Brandon Williams. He sounds like he wants to be back, um, but I, it would have to be certainly not a starter status as, or just a rotation guy. Um, you know, if they can get him to sign the deal, Justin Ellis signed last year to fill Ellis's role. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I don't know if he would get better offers elsewhere, but he certainly sounded like a guy who wanted to be back. Yeah. I'm going to say gone just because I, I... I just think they need to start transitioning here a little bit on defense. I mean, you know, obviously if Brandon Williams is willing to play in a really cheap one-year deal, you know, I, I think that would be a, a bargain. I mean, I think he's still a, a productive player. Um, but at some point, you just have to sort of phase and start, you know, you need to find the next Brandon Williams. And, and you know, it's just how many of these guys you want to resign and, and that are a little older um, you know, I, I'm just going to say go. I think he's one of those guys that, uh, unless it's a sweetheart deal, they just move on from. Calais Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I think he fits in the same. I think he's obviously more, he was more productive than, than uh, Williams this year. I guess there's a big question whether he wants to continue to play. Uh, you'd like, not, not that Williams isn't a leader, uh, but Campbell certainly uh, is. Uh, and obviously, he, you know, what he's done, what his career has been. But I guess the big question there is, does he even want to come back? Um, but I'm for, I, I think probably there's a good chance he retires. So I'll say gone. I'm going to go opposite there. I'm going to say stay. It, it, just talking to people and, and, you know, obviously some of the things Calais has said seemed like it shifted a little bit with him, you know, where I had heard pretty much this would be his last year. And then in the last month, the tone that people would talk about it kind of changed a little bit. And Calais would tell anyone and everyone how good he's feeling at this time of year. Uh, that guy is so driven to win and uh, win a title. Um, it would not surprise me if he returns and plays um, and I think if it's, if he wants to play, he's going to have to determine he's playing for a championship at this point. That's the only reason he's playing. Um, so he's going to have to see where he thinks the Ravens are at, but, uh, I'm going to throw, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, but uh, I'll say, yes, I'll say he stays. Is Sean Elliott. I, I think he, he goes, um, I think they need a, and maybe Stevens already is that, but I think they need a true free safety. Um, and, you know, obviously, unfortunately with Elliot, you've got, uh, like Tavon Young, you've got a lot of injury history there. Um, I don't know what kind of market he's going to have because of that. I guess if the market isn't really, if there's not a robust or even a decent market for him, maybe that gives him a chance to come back, but I think he's going to go. I'll say go to, and I, you know, I think that's a tough one. That's, that, that's an extremely popular player. Uh, loves being on the Ravens, just absolutely loves it. Reminds me a little bit of Tony Jefferson in that way, just eats everything up about it. Um, loves the culture, fits perfectly. But uh, I think they recognize they have to diversify that safety group a little bit. Um, and, you know, if they can get him back on a cheap one year, uh, if the market's not there for Elliott, he can come back sort of as a, you know, you know, as an additional safety with no guarantees to start. And, and uh, you know, one of their special teams core guys, 
maybe they go that, but I have a far time believing he won't be able to get a better opportunity elsewhere. He played, put some good things on tape at times. Uh, I just think, you know, you, you got the Stevens who can be in a matchup role. You got Chuck Clark sort of as the proverbial box guy. This team really needs to go out and find a deep safety. It, it just, it's so overdue to find that guy. So I'm going to say go just because they need to shake that mix up a bit. And it's going to be hard to do that if you have everybody back. Justin Houston. Um, I'm going to, again, I think this falls into, I mean, I think, you know, he, he did what they needed him to do, but I think he goes, well, one, they got him because they got him so late. They got him for basically nothing. I think somebody will give him more than nothing than what, what they gave him this year. And they, they just need, and now granted they, they're, they're very short there, especially if Bowser, if he comes back late or goes on PUP. So, um, but I think he goes. I'll say goes to, I, I do think if he's still available in mid July, late July, depending on how uh, they figure out the rest of that outside linebacker mix, as I said earlier, I think McPhee's gone. Um, you know, I, I, I think um, always there, you don't know if Bowser's going to be ready for week one. And then Jalen Ferguson, I think he's as, you know, you have no idea he's going to be on the bubble at best come uh, August and September. So, you know, I, I think there's opening for another veteran, but I think they need to take a bigger swing at that position. So I'm going to say gone, uh, but wouldn't surprise me if that's revisited in, in late July. Jimmy Smith. Um, I think he's gone, obviously. His, his you need – in, in the role he's playing, uh, and obviously with the injuries they've had, you, you need somebody who's who's reliable and going to be there, and and in that role be able to play pace. Uh, try that in English to play special teams. Um, so I, I think he's gone. Yeah, I think it's time for Jimmy, uh, one of the most beloved players they have in that building. But um, you know, it's just. He admitted last offseason that he was going to retire if the Ravens didn't make him an offer. Uh, a year later, where he had another injury plagued year, I think we saw in the Steelers game week 18, you know, it just, it's just not the same guy. It doesn't move as well. Um, you know, I think it's time. I, I group him with Levine, with Pernell McPhee, with possibly Calais. Those are the four or five guys I'd look at as, uh, you know, their most likely retirement candidates. Anthony Averett. You know, I, obviously, if Peters returns, he's gone, and he might be gone either way just because um, I don't know that the Ravens will pay him what he'll probably get on the on the market. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think uh, one thing with the Peters injury is Averick got a chance to play a lot, and there went the Ravens' opportunity to get him back kind of on a real small deal because there wasn't a whole lot of tape on him. Um, you know, I know he's a lightning rod for criticism from fans, uh, but I thought he played reasonably well at times, and he thought he held up reasonably well, given he was one of the most targeted cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, I may be in the minority, but I think he made himself actually a little bit of money this year. Um, and I think we all saw when he got hurt uh, what the difference was between the guys that came in and replaced him and, and Anthony Averett was. So, um, you know, I'm a little higher on him than most. I think somebody pays him. I don't think he's going to get a huge deal, obviously, uh, but uh, even a, a, you know, a modest deal. I just don't know how many more cornerbacks or, you know, defensive backs the Ravens can pay. Last guy on the list, fellas, 
center Bradley Bozeman. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly it sounds like he's gone. Um, you know, you and I talked yesterday about how, how hard it would have been to get him an extension before this year, given the, the cap constraints um, and this they they basically redone every contract they could pretty much. And and obviously COVID with the reduction in the cap. But um, I think he just fits into that right, you know, right price guy and. Um, those kind of guys that price themselves out of Baltimore, and I think he probably did that. Yeah, shame of it. It's such a great dude, good family, cares so much. I, I, I you know, we saw him break out, and he was pretty much in tears uh, this week when asked about the, what the Ravens have meant to him. I don't think that's an act. Uh, this guy loves it here. I just, I just don't see the Ravens paying him in the ten million range, which is probably what it's going to take. I, I, I mean. Um, that's a lot. And I think Bradley Bozeman's a, a, a solid NFL player. Um, but you know, Ravens are going to have to make some tough choices and, and uh, for six round pick, he's probably been one of their more productive day three picks they've had in years. Um, but sometimes the, you know, the Ravens are not afraid to move on from those kind of guys that they feel like are going to get paid more than perhaps their, you know, play suggests they should, uh, you know, I don't think they want to have an opening at center, but, you know, committing 10, you know, nine, $10 million to him. I just don't know if that's something they're going to be prepared to do. Uh, I think it's going to be tough, but I think he's gone. Guys, I'm going to send this recording. Eric DaCosta save him a lot of time this offseason. All he's got to do is just listen to everything we said, right? That's right. Good. Now, I really, really appreciate your time. This was outstanding, and I'm sure our listeners are going to really enjoy this and, and something that they'll revisit time and time again. So really appreciate your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Special thanks to Royal Farms for making this podcast possible. And enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. Thanks again.